When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Garden State of Hockey podcast. The Devils just put the final nail in the coffin of a playoff team. So if you're going to take any solace from this season, at least they did that exactly one time. My name is Dan Rosell, and I'm joined by John Fisher as we recap the end of the Devils' uh, recent road trip out to the West Coast. Uh, we had covered the first two games of the trip that they surprisingly won, and so this episode is going to talk about those last three games against the Avalanche, the Kraken in the Cryptid Cup Part 2, and the game against the Vegas Golden Knights. So, John, first of all, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. A little tired because I did watch all of the Las Vegas game last night. And Whoa. Live in, 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 well, I mean, I had nowhere live. to be, so. Yeah. Live on television, because that's not so impressive. But mm-hmm. nevertheless, I saw it all. So you saw the Devils bounce back from two games where, you know, I could summarize it as buried by their second periods. Um, mm-hmm. One entirely buried, the second one not entirely buried. Well, it wasn't, none of them were actually good. They actually um, were tied up in Las Vegas in the second period. So you can add that to go. the, uh, to the plethora of second periods where the devils just lose games or see games go away. The weird thing about it, Dan, is I actually looked at this for a potential post at all about the Jersey about this is do the devils play worse in the second period. And I found out the answer is not really, they just mm-hmm. give up more goals and don't score very many. Everything else is like pretty much the same in terms of expected goals, in terms of shots on net, in terms of Corsi, in terms of scoring chances. Like there's not that big of a difference between first, second, and third periods in that respect. So it's how do we that, make sense of this? I don't know. That, Large that change at home? I, I, there's a there's one possibility that, and I didn't, I didn't write the post, and I don't think I'm going to because I can't really, I don't feel super confident in saying this is the answer or mm-hmm. this is what I think the answer is. But it reminds me back to the John McClain era where the game plan is set for the first period. In the second period, the other team adjusts for that game plan and then just kind of takes the game while the Devils just stick to what they were doing. Yeah. Um, I don't think that was necessarily the case. Um, but I will say in the three games that we're about to talk about, I think that was what was going on because the first periods of those games were dramatically different, not just in the scoreboard, but in terms of how the games went compared to how the second periods went, starting with the Colorado game on the 14th. Yeah, and, you know, by all accounts, the Devils had a pretty good first period in that game. They Very good first period. They weren't outpaced by any means whatsoever. They, they kept tight with the Avalanche and kept the score even. And then the Avalanche did what the Avalanche do and decided to be the best team in the NHL 
while the devils did what the devils do and they decided to not no it, for all you older wrestling fans out there the game was akin to a jobber match where you know you see the brooklyn brawler come out or barry horowitz or freddie joe floyd they're already in the ring when you come back from commercial and then you see the music start the big, the big screen shows that the uh, wrestler coming out, the guy that actually is going to win the match by all accounts. And that was how that second period went. It was as if the Colorado Avalanche said, all right, fine. You guys had a good first period, good road first period. We're the best. Yeah. We're going to take this game. You're going to get bodied. To, to his credit, Andrew Hammond, who started this game for the Devils, actually did pretty well. He didn't give up anything I would call it that I would call a stinker, but he was mm-hmm. beaten three times. And at that point, you just knew that unless the Devils were going to mount some uh, crazy comeback like they did, like they did in their previous game against Colorado, um, you know, they were going to lose that game. And guess what? They did. They lost three one. Yeah. You know, after even after they scored the goal, I mean, they scored that what very late. Right. If I remember that game correctly, it was around halfway through the um, third period. Just too little too late for how they have been generating offense that entire game, honestly. Um, Yeah, 23 shots on net, only 13 scoring chances total. I mean, eight of them were high danger, but still, they got outchanced 28 to 13. Like, that's not going to get you many, many results. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, the goal was not on the power play. No, it was not, Mm. as the devil's power playness streak continues. Dan, can you tell me the game? The, uh, just give me the date. Oh. You know, give me the date. When was the last time the Devils scored a power play goal? Okay, I'm gonna cheat and look at the list of games, but <laughs> these don't have the box scores. I just need the dates. Okay, yeah, you can look. At, you can look at the schedule at. Uh, oh my god! Um, would you like a hint? April second. No. Wow. March twenty seventh. Oh the my went over god! The Devils. So obviously or the Canadians. You mean? Yeah, against Montreal. Yeah. So. Yeah, they've been 04 for April so far. And mind you, we're going to talk about, we're talking about the, oh. goodness, the um, seventh, eighth, and ninth games of the month here. I mean, to the devil's credit, they don't generate a lot of power plays, but they have been consistently, except for yesterday's game in Las Vegas, getting at least two opportunities per game. So that's at least four minutes of the Mark Recchi experience yielding very little offense, very little reason to think they're going to score a goal. And lo and behold, their their ppgs are still a goose egg for april what are they gonna do about this i like i i what what can even be done at this point you you, you have to I'm score at, at least one power play goal the rest of the season no uh, you would think so you don't I mean, have by, to uh, you don't have to i don't want to fall into the gambler's fallacy of they're due but you know you'd almost have to try not to score one out of your next six games remaining um, that being said, I'm at the point, Dan, where I'm, I would be comfortable if the devil's just fire Mark Recchi now and replace him with just anybody. Yeah, that works. You know, yeah. Somebody on the street may not know a thing about hockey or power plays, but guess what? Mark Recchi has played a lot of hockey, presumably knows a lot about hockey and they're not doing well at all. So this isn't just <laughs> not doing well. This it, is- it doesn't matter at this point. If you get some rando off the street and say, Hey, you want to be a coach for six games? Like, you know, 
you like, know, you get a nice whiteboard, you get a Sharpie, you get a, we'll get, we'll buy you a suit. It, it is really amazing how unlinked the two devils major, like the two major problems the devils have are. You think that if their penalty kill was suffering, you could look at the goaltending and say, well, that's what's burying them on the penalty kill, but that's not the case at no, all. No, it's not. I don't understand how these two completely disparate parts of playing hockey are the two by far worst parts of this entire team. I don't, it doesn't make much sense, does it? It feels like it's something that should be related to one another, but I don't really see yeah, a connection. I mean, the, the Devils' penalty team save percentage on the penalty kills have not been particularly high, but it's also not the worst. Like in five on five, in all situations, we're not talking about it every worst. week. That's yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but you know who has the worst team save percentage in all situations? Oh, it's the Seattle Kraken. That's right. And they happen to be the next opponent. And on theory, you would think, okay, this is going to be a goal fest because none of these goaltenders are all that good. Uh Kind of, sort of was, but uh, it went the distance. It didn't go well. Yeah. Dan, tell tell, tell the people what happened. Well, so... um... You know, it went the distance means that it went to a shootout. But before we get to that shootout, uh, Devils had a pretty good first period again. Um, mm-hmm. They they got some some goals. I don't remember who. Again, I watched all yeah. these games super late, and I'm on a school yeah, schedule all, now. So yeah, I was all these games were late games, so um, I don't blame you for that. I'll tell you, Dan. Yeah, go ahead. Jesper Bastion Bratt's... scored for the Devils. No, no, in the in the Seattle game on the Vegas game, he scored. That's right. right. Brad yeah. scored early. Yep, finishing uh, finishing off a great play up front. And then Will Borgen ties it up because nobody mm-hmm. picked him up, uh, him trailing into the uh, left circle. Mm-hmm. And then Jesper Boakvist from the slot, Zaka mishandles a pass, recovers magically, and fires a near-perfect pass to, to Boakvist, which almost sums up the Zaka experience where he'll, he'll have to make two mistakes before he does something really good that makes you go, why don't you do this more often? But it was good, and Boakvist finished a drill, and the Devils end the first period up two to one. Good, right? Yeah, pretty good. Good. Uh, oh, I think the Nets game was happening during this. That's yeah. what for the first period, at least. This is when I tuned in. Ah, yeah. Okay. And then in the second period, we got to see the second period experience. And uh, once again, five Devils looking at Jared McCann with the puck. <laughs> Nobody picked up Carson Soucy, who is, as I understand it, has never been a big scorer, scorer even as a young player, even as a prospect. Mm-hmm. Gets his 10th of the season when he gets the pass through the seam, op- totally open on the weak side, and takes a touch, beats Dawes, two to two. And then shortly thereafter, the Devils take a penalty, uh, specifically Kevin Ball hooking Jordan Eberle down, and Matty Beneers, mm-hmm. who just signed his ELC not that long ago with uh, Seattle, since Michigan was eliminated from the Frozen Four, scores his first ever NHL goal on the power play, uh, banging in a rebound from a McCann shot. No chance for Dawes. It was a simple rebound. Putting Seattle up three to two late in the second period. Yep. And you're sitting there going, did I just see the Devils lose this game in less than two minutes? It, it was basically, you know, it's that first memorable, every single montage on NHL.com will be of Matty Benier scoring this goal. So congratulations, Devils. You put yourselves in yet another montage of young stars. Um that all being said, it was not all lost at that point. Nope, it was um, not. It was still a one-shot game. It was still a one-shot game, and that one shot was delivered by, if I remember correctly, it was Damon Severson. Severson. Yeah. So With, Severson scored that goal. Um, yep, right from the circle. He roofed it. Uh, very well-placed shot 
uh, past Mr. Grubauer. And mm-hmm. uh, surprisingly, the score stayed at 3-3 all the way through to... Oh, God. Was that not the worst overtime you've ever seen? The whole game as a whole, the game as a whole, Dan, was not the most aesthetically pleasing ice hockey. Uh, that was in- compared to the Las Vegas game. Like, like you know, to be fair, if you watch AHL hockey or KHL hockey or women's hockey or or junior hockey, like you know, the NHL, you get a new appreciation for the NHL with their speed and their skill and how fast things go. But this game was just a slog. Uh-uh. It was like two bad hockey teams just you know skating through mud so at, at points it was it oh was god hard. it was brutal to it was so it was a kind of thing where you if you've listened to this podcast before you know exactly how i feel about the shootout how i feel about its merits how i feel mm. about uh how it represents the game of hockey as a whole this is one game where i was sitting there almost relieved that we were going to a shootout because i could not watch more of whatever was happening in that overtime my god that was oh uh, and, and, and unfortunately, it was a short shootout. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Donato scored first. That was it. And then no one else scored. Yeah. Nobody so, else scored. Devils game lose to the Kraken. Devils get a point. So at least uh, the Sherman Abrams contingent isn't too pleased because it meant Seattle, one of the three teams, or now four teams, I should say, below the Devils in the standings, um, don't really gain any ground on them. Devils are um, at least clear of Philadelphia. Mm hmm. There's that. Woo. Uh, you know. I like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like that too, but if you're, if you're a fan of tanking, you did not like that result and you did not like what happened at the end of the trip. Although the end of the trip was also a very happy time to be a Dallas stars, Nashville predators, Los Angeles Kings and Vancouver Canucks fan. Yeah. All of a sudden, as the devils approach this game, this narrative emerged that Okay, well, this is the uh, this is the only game they have left where they can significantly change, um, you know, someone's playoff trajectory. They could change right. the field of playoff participants, and that narrative gained so much steam so quickly for some reason that I just I just kind of wonder where that came from. Or someone who is desperately trying to create intrigue around this game did a pretty good job with it, I guess, because yeah. all of a sudden a bunch of people were tweeting about this game, talking about this game and the devils delivered. I mean, one of their most solid road games of the year. Yeah. So to, to bring the context in here, see, we're in the Eastern conference stand where the playoff teams have pretty much been decided for the last since like two December. and a half months. Yeah. Yeah. It's, we knew which eight teams it was going to be. There's still some, it's still a little up in the air in terms of who places where mm-hmm. uh, thanks to Washington's surge up the standings and Boston continuing to be like good Pittsburgh uh, slide and Pittsburgh sliding. Um, by the way, did you know that Florida has 10 straight wins? I the only did. They're the only team that's pretty much dead set on like, yeah, we're going to be first in the Atlantic and first in the conference, you know? Yeah. I mean, we'll see what it means come playoff time, you know? Right. But nevertheless, uh, but in the West, it's been way more open. Um, you know, the central division teams have clinched their teams. However, second and third place in the Pacific are still up for grabs. And the wild card is especially up for grabs in Las Vegas, who's been this capped out team they added jack eichel they had the whole Evgeny dadanov uh, drama they've been decimated by injuries all season they've been decimated by injuries but this is a team that is basically committed that they need to be a contending team like Mm -hmm. they're spending like one they performed like one in in their first couple seasons in the league so the expectations are that much higher and they have suddenly fallen on the outside looking in 
So going into this game, they were four points behind Nashville and Dallas for the wild card spots. And more, more intriguingly, three points behind Los Angeles for third place, the Pacific, which is a guaranteed playoff spot with, which with Los Angeles themselves starting to fade a little bit. So with, in addition to all of that Vancouver, which has a really long shot of trying to get back into the playoff picture, they were three points back at Vegas. So those teams I just mentioned, Las Vegas, Nashville, Dallas, Vancouver, mm-hmm. they had a very vested interest in New Jersey, lowly New Jersey, yeah, trying to get their, their 11th road win of the season and ideally in regulation. And when I saw that Andrew Hammond was starting this game again, <laughs> I thought to myself, he did well in Colorado for all things considered. That being said, I have zero confidence in this man. But what it turned out was that he embodied the spirit. He's not dead yet, but he embodied the spirit of Eddie Lack in Tampa Bay from that fateful game where Eddie Lack somehow outdueled Andre Vasilevsky for for a big win. And and this time it was Hammond doing it to Robin Leonard who had – I don't know that – like what happened on Boquist's goal? Do we – have we heard anything from him or – Oh, oh, I'm sure he'll tweet. He'll tweet through it soon. Um, is, are we okay? Is he, you know, he'll tweet through it. Don't worry about it. He'll, okay. he, he's addicted to social media. He'll get through. Right, it. But this right. game, this game, the first period of this, if you hated the Seattle games um, sloppiness, the first period was pretty much a track meet between both teams mm-hmm. and the devils surprisingly, you know, in the run of play, were actually the better team. Like they actually, you know, going, you know, high tempo, fast as possible against a play, a team that needs this playoff win, you know, needs this win for their playoff hopes. You know, the Devils outshot them 12 to 7, out attempted them 21 17, outchanced them 11 7. And just as importantly, Lanner left one juicy rebound by his left pad for Nathan Bastion to tap in mm-hmm. and put the Devils up 1 0 while Andrew Hammond is making stops. He's protecting his short side. He is making reads. He's some of it's some of it was sloppy himself. He did a lot of movement that you made you go, oh dear, he's going to get uh, picked apart if there's if the Vegas people can uh, jump on a rebound. But but Dan, mm-hmm. he's making the stops. And then the first ten per- minutes of the second period went pretty well. And then it was almost as if somebody, whether it was Peter DeBoer, their head coach, or one of their players, or somebody told him that, hey guys, you're losing one nothing to Andrew Hammond. Let's pick let's pick it up here. And basically started dominating the final 10 minutes of the uh, of the period, looking for an equalizer. Nicholas Waugh hit the post on a breakaway that made me shocked. And then, of course, shortly after that was uh, scrambled away, uh, Kegar Colstar, I'm sorry, I botched his name terribly. Yeah. Uh, Keegan, Keegan Kolashar, there, there you go, go uh, redirected a shot off a skate, so a bad bounce, but uh, goes in, it's 1-1, and now you're thinking – all right, I guess, you know, Las Vegas is a better team than New Jersey and Andrew Hammond is in the net and the Devils, you know, they were doing their best to get in front of all the shots as possible. They were actually protecting their weak side much better than they did in Colorado and Seattle. But, you know, you think this is going to go bad real soon. Mm-hmm. And then in the third period, we get a repeat of how the second period went, where the first 10 minutes were pretty favorable, except the Devils scored goals. <laughs> yeah, imagine that. Andreas Johnson roofing a rebound at uh, Leonard's left leg again, you know, very much another right place, right time type of type of shot. It's two to one. The fourth line had this bizarre game where they got out attempted crazily, but they outshot the Knights. Uh, so go figure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, and then 
we got to see an individual highlight from Jesper Boakfist for his ninth of the season. Dan, shall I walk the people through this or do you want to take the honors here? It, it was kind of like, so I woke up to see this goal happen. Um, <laughs> Were you still dreaming? And maybe that was your first thought. I, I think Steve was. Steve had no idea that that had gone in the net. Steve called that as if the, the um, Leonard made the save. Leonard didn't move at all. And all no. the Devils are celebrating. So Boquist walks Alex Pietrangelo uh, outside inside, takes it back. Oh, sorry. Inside outside, then takes it and just kind of shuffles it short side past Leonard, who does not move to stop it. No. He it, makes zero effort. What even, happened? Even better, this was straight off a uh, a turnover in the neutral zone. Bokvist just got the puck, said, I'm going to you know, wheel and deal past Alex Petrangelo, who, by the way, is a really good defense. Like, he's not a scrub. He's not, you know, a death player here. This is a serious name player here. Makes him look like a pylon. And just before, I believe, Chandler Stevenson was going to drill this guy, Leonard just stands still as if he didn't think a shot was going to happen. You know, as if the man with the puck wasn't going to do anything as he got closer to the net. Mm-hmm. It, it was biz- it was both a beautiful play by Boakfist, but also a bizarre one because it's like, bro, what are you, bro? It's two to <laughs> one. You're, you're you know make it. You're the goalie. You're you're a goaltender. Tend to your goal. Like try what? to make a save. Do something. Don't just stand there and go. Uh, what? what what happened? Yeah, it, it's like somebody pulled his controllers. You know, his battery ran out. I, it, it, you know, just, but but it gave the Devils. I'll a take huge, it. Yeah, <laughs> a huge two goal lead gave you mm-hmm. a big cushion, which was important because again, about ten minutes into that period, Dan, the Las Vegas Golden Knights realized, hey, we should probably try to win this game against Andrew Hammond. Yes, and they just turned up the juice again. Another XG, you know, above one point five for the period. They pull the goalie with about uh, three minutes left. They're just storming, storming, storming the net. They are out attempting the Devils 35 to 16, mm-hmm. out shooting him 18 to 10. You know, Devil Nico Heischer's trying to block all the shots. The de- you know, there was crazy scrambles where Hammond is out of his net. Uh, the Devils, I think, cleared a puck off the line. Like it was almost as if this was a classic game where you're doing everything but scoring, and Vegas was on the receiving end of that. They finally broke through with about. Uh, a little over a minute left with Chandler Stevenson uh, potting in a third or fourth rebound attempt where Hammond was like 10 feet from his uh, crease, trying to make stops on the other ones. It's it's now three to two and you're just holding your breath going, please, please, please. You've come this far. Don't blow it. The devils didn't blow it. They hold on to win three to two devils. The devils were very jubilant. Andrew Hammond, I'm sure felt fantastic was easily his best performance as a devil. I was happy and then went to bed. And most importantly, Dan, the fan bases of the Dallas Stars, the Nashville Predators, the Vancouver Canucks, and the Los Angeles Kings <laughs> were all very happy with Jesper Bokvist, especially Dallas because they were playing Vancouver that night. They lost in regulation to them. Uh, but so, but because Vegas lost, they're still four points up on Vegas. So they, they're still a playoff team. Vancouver is now a point behind Vegas with a game in hand on them. And Los Angeles is still three points ahead of Las Vegas. So Las Vegas is now in their, their playoff odds went to something like 35% down to like just below 20%. Washington tomorrow night could absolutely, you know, 
almost drive drive another nail into their coffin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, see it, Dan. Well, I mean, if Vegas need to go four one and one in their final six, you don't you can't have the one loss in regulation be against the Devils. No, if you look at their schedule again, this is a Devils podcast, but I'll just quickly go through it. This they're coming. They were coming off a four nothing loss to Edmonton last on Saturday, but that was also uh, proceeding. They they lost an OT to Vancouver uh, last last Tuesday. Uh, their remaining schedule schedule is they got Washington in Las Vegas tomorrow. They got San Jose on the 24th at home. And then they're on the road for their final three games. They're at Dallas, which is an absolutely massive game. They're at Chicago, which is another don't lose that game at all costs. And they're at St. Louis for their final game of the season. But they're at a point where they need help. It's not enough that if they win out, they are going to need some help to get um, get in. And they have to have to have to beat Dallas in regulation to really help their cause out here. They cannot give Dallas a point because I would almost clinch it for Dallas, depending on how the other games go. So good job devils. You spoiled Las Vegas <laughs> and four teams in the Western conference that you have no affiliation with are very happy that you did that. Yay. And in terms of, uh, you know, games of any meaningful impact left for the devils in general, uh... um, <laughs> there's really only two out of the six that remain, is that what it yep. is? Yeah. So, so the re- I'll, I'll just go through the remaining schedule. Sure. They're playing at, but they're coming home uh, to the Rock on Thursday against Buffalo. That's a meaningless game. They're hosting Carolina at twelve thirty. That's a meaningful game. I'll get as to why in a moment. They're hosting Detroit on the twenty fourth for an afternoon game. That's meaningless. They're going to Ottawa on the twenty sixth next Tuesday. Meaningless. They're, they're going to rally for another game against Carolina on the 28th. And then for fan appreciation night, they're playing Detroit in another meaningless game. The only reason why the Carolina games have some meaning is that Carolina hasn't quite clinched first in the, in the metropolitan and our hated rivals can catch them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carolina has been slipping a bit. They're, they're slipping, they're falling. They could get up. They're trying to get up. Um, and while as our hated rivals have been on a tear. So if the devils, get points over Carolina either this coming Saturday or next Thursday that could help our hated rivals win the division. And that's why I said, that's why I sighed. That's why I groaned because I'm going to be honest with you, Dan, I would not like to see our hated rivals get anything of value. I don't want them to put up a banner. I don't want to give them any accolades. I'm not giving any of them love. I am a player hater and proud of it. And you know what? That's fine. I just know as someone who has seen the Rangers win the president's trophy before and still not win the cup, that that is not really an indicator of anything more than, True. you know, the playoffs would be. Um, but I really am starting to get nervous for the playoffs. I am. Um, I'll yeah, it's going to be a blood. It's going to be a bloodbath in the, in the East. Like it's, even though we know the teams, like all these, like if I told you, Oh, Pittsburgh's going to win the East. Mm-hmm. In the playoffs, you were there. None of these teams are weak. None of these teams are soft. None of these teams are would be surprises. If I told you like Pittsburgh would go to the Stanley Cup finals, you would go, Yeah, I could see it. If I told you the Capitals were going to do it, you would say, Yeah, I could see it. If I said Boston was going to do it, you'd say, Yeah, I could see it. If I said our hated rivals who would do it, I would hate saying that. So I don't want to. Yeah, but like you could, right? You could. That's the yeah. point. That's my point here. So it's all up for grabs in the East, Uh, but you're right. The devils only have two games where they could have an impact. That means anything outside of lottery odds, which is a nice segue into what I'm going to call the, what else do we have to look forward to after April 29th? Um, So here's a list of important dates, everybody for the off season, things that 
dates that you want to write down, put on your calendar, take off work for, or maybe not. Some of these are in the evening. You don't have to, uh, but they matter to the devils. Okay. So you're ready for this, Dan? I'm ready. Okay. The first date to be paying attention to is May 16th at 7 PM. That's going to be the NHL draft lottery, barring any changes from the league, but apparently TV schedules have already been set that it's going to be on Monday, May 16th. So mm -hmm. short, that will be sometime in the middle of the playoffs. Um, the top two spots are going to be under a lottery. So it's either winner gets Shane Wright, Juraj Slavkovsky, maybe Logan Cooley or Brad Lambert. If you're feeling saucy with that uh, second overall pick, we'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. Anyway, the next day to be paying attention to is the draft itself. That's going to be this year. It's going to be on July 7th. Uh, it's going to be held in Montreal. It's, it's a rough stretch between uh, May and July. Yeah, well, we're still recovering from COVID and, you know, things are being adjusted still a little bit. Uh, it's going to be, um, I believe this is going to be a live event, though. So mm -hmm. July 7th and July 8th are going to be the two days for the draft. So July 7th will be the primetime game. It, I'm sorry, the prime time uh, on Thursday which is round one. And then Friday, which presumably will be an all day affair, you know, hang out on NHL.com and see the draft tracker. That's going to be rounds two through seven. They're still mm -hmm. working out television for that, but they'll figure that out before it comes up. That day and two that, is awful, by the way. Yeah. It, it can be a real grind. That's, that's for the hardcore draft Knicks of like, Hey, here's random dude. Here's Jimmy Finland, which by the way, there actually is a player, an overage pick named Jimmy Swomey, who, whose name would translate to James fin Finland. So he could be drafted. Good. Uh, anyway, on July 13th of this year is going to be when free agency begins. So it's not July 1st just yet. That's probably going to be normalized in 2023, but a week after the draft or close to a week after the draft, that's when you're going to find out who, where Johnny Goudreau goes, where Thomas Hurdle is going to go, where John Klingberg is going to go, all these free agents. So there's going to be plenty of activity there. And uh, today, the IIHF has announced that they're going to, they announced their rescheduled World Junior Championships. If you remember, that was canceled back in December due to COVID. It is now rescheduled to take place at the Rogers Place in Edmonton from August 9th through August 20th. 10 teams are going to be taking part. Russia has been banned. Mm -hmm. So they will be replaced by Latvia. So congratulations to the Latvian under 20 team. They're still working out on details in terms of who's going to be able to play in this tournament. There's still talk that they might allow the same rosters from December since, so there may be some 20 year olds playing in this under 20 tournament. Mm -hmm. uh, the other challenge is the fact that the Linka Gretzky cup, which is the first uh, tournament of the draft year, the, that's an under 18 tournament. Uh, so I'm sure the international federations that want to bring some talented under 18 players to the world junior championships. Normally they're going to have to wonder, is it going to be too much to play two tournaments at one time? Cause that's going to be the first week of August in Edmonton and Red Deer. So uh, we'll see if they want to do that. I'm sure they'll try to keep them separate. Usually if you're playing in the under 18 tournament, you're probably not going to be good enough for the under twenties. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll see about that. So there's going to be plenty of activity in August for a change for hockey. Cause typically August is the dead month for the sport. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a rough, rough period between May and uh, July 7th. It also gets a lot rougher if we have to keep seeing the Rangers win series. Yeah. So let's just avoid that. Then I can watch the playoffs in peace. That would be nice. Get bounced in the first round, please. Go, yeah, go take I'm, another L. I'm down for that. That sounds yeah. great. 
Yeah. And also one other sidebar in the, in the international world of hockey here. So the KHL is considering another major rule change. That's going to, that could potentially impact the NHL in a favorable way. Uh, The Russian hockey Federation is reportedly um, looking at reducing the number of foreigners allowed on KHL and VHL rosters. Uh, The current rule is five. They may be bumping that down to three. The KHL has already taken some big hits, uh, they're basically a propaganda arm right now for the for Russia, like everything else involving, you know, government support of Russia. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dinamo Minsk, I'm sorry, no, no, Dinamo Riga in Latvia and uh, Jokerit in Finland have already pulled out of the league entirely. Mm-hmm. So, and other teams, of course, you know, there's money issues, there's uh, player retention issues at hand here. So the fact that there may be uh, tightening up the limits on foreigners, that would mean, Russian, Belarusian, and Kazakh players wouldn't count towards this number, but anything, anybody, anybody from anywhere else, you can only have three per team. Uh, that might open the door for um, some fringe players. So if you're looking to beef up an AHL team, or if there's a prospective player that was trying to hone their craft in Russia, uh, but is not Russian, you know, that may be a good time to bring them over. So there could be some opportunities depending on that, in addition to the fact that the ruble is crashing harder than. Um, you know, Las Vegas was trying to do when trying to get that equalizer against Andrew Hammond of all people. You know what? I'm proud of you for using an analogy like that and not one of the clearly horrible ones you could have used. Um, so good job. W- way Thank to be, you. way to exercise restraint. Yep. Um, and, uh, yeah, so <laughs> I wanted to mention, uh, Joker pulling out as well, because they're a team that had, you know, they were arguably one of the most famous teams from the KHL. They, they had name recognition yeah. in the States. Uh, they were a team that boosted the profile of that league a lot. They kept churning out um, prospects left and right. And, you know, the, here they are going back to Finland. So the, the reverberations keep coming uh, Ooh, from these actually, global events. I hate to be uh, pedantic here, Dan, but oh. that has yet to be confirmed. Oh, right now they're right now. They are a uh, leagueless team. I'm sure I'm oh, okay. sure there's discussions right now with with the uh, Liga people to bring them back I mean Yari Curry is a 60% owner of the team oh he's the general manager I'm sure that you know they can um, you know make the make it happen you know it's Joker they play in Helsinki they're a big team they've been the biggest arguably the biggest team in Finland their arena is like one of the few Europe's uh, sorry one of the few arenas in Europe that has a five-figure capacity so I'm sure the league of people would be happy to take them back. And I'm sure the other teams and their fan bases will make fun of them for their KHL excursion from 2014 to 2022. Yeah. I don't know about make fun so much as like be directly hostile towards, but we'll see what that looks like. I'm being a little generous here, you know, (laughs) that's very fair. (laughs) And to be fair, there's, there's some circumstances. It wasn't a case of, um, you know, they, they've decided to pull out because the money wasn't there or they were getting, they weren't that all that great. I mean, Finland, I'm sorry, Joker has yet to uh, go beyond the second round of the KHL playoffs. So, you know, it's not like they were studs in that league, mm-hmm. but I'm sure Liga would welcome them back. And of course they could also get some players because their roster currently is incredibly tiny uh, with all the uh, contract issues and the pulling out. Um and everything related to COVID and, of course, the uh, military conflict in Ukraine. Oh, boy. Well, it all continues on, as does the devil season, as they play out the string here. They continue to, um, I don't know, maybe ruin the Hurricanes Day and do little of consequence otherwise. So we'll see what they can do in this last stretch of games. We'll be back before that ends to uh, to recap a few of those games. But 
as always, thank you for listening. And you know what? Like we're kind of in a confusing place with Let's Go Devils because we kind of no, Dan, Dan, want them we to should do say, well, no? Dan, the Devils have yet to win a home game in April. Let's go. They have, they have four home games left to win at least one game. Do it. Win win, once. win a home game. In fact, win a bunch of home games. At least send the we know the season's lost. Just just send everybody home happy. Everybody arrived pretty happy when Hughes scored that overtime goal all those years ago, it feels like. Yeah. Send them home happy. You're right. Yeah. Send send us home happy, please. And fire Mark Recchi on on April 30th. Oh, just before that. That's (laughs) fine. What are we waiting for? Let's go right now. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Let's go, Devils. And we will catch you soon.